This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and here's a shocker. Today's Mickey Mouse's birthday, and Joe's beside himself. I know the world's wealthiest mouse turns 91 today, but my personal opinion... Maybe Joe should make sure old Mickey has us in his estate plan before dumping so much money on streamers and a couple of 30 packs of Natty Light, am I right? Natty Light. That reminds me of college. And here to help us get a debt-free college degree, we welcome Anthony O'Neill. Plus, we'll have headlines, my trivia, and heck, we'll even throw out the Haven Lifeline to Kathy, who needs some help figuring out the differences between two different savings accounts. How are they different? And now, two guys who you could call different and uh, differenter, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I would say you are the most different. I'm on the different spectrum. How about that? I'm the differentest. You be the differentest. I'm hey. the most differentest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mickey Mouse's birthday. Be the first Happy to welcome you. Happy birthday. Mickey I am Mortimer. Jo- I am Joe Salci. Hi, average Joe Money on Twitter. Across the table from me with his Mickey Mouse mug to celebrate. It's Mr. OG. It is actually. Yeah, I right. know. yeah, it doesn't look like he's aged a year, does he? You were very surprised, weren't you? That, uh... I was very surprised, yes. <laughs> hey. What do you I'm... mean I have a Mickey Mouse mug? Oh, I do have a Mickey Mouse mug. I'm actually doing the thing that's congruent with what we mean to do on the show. <laughs> Branding. It's only what? been eight years, and he's finally on point. What's up with that? All right, I try. I got to say, I think we have a lot in common with Mickey Mouse. We have a Mickey Mouse operation here. Yes, we do. Huh? That's pretty good. Uh, big thanks to Native for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Native makes safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. With trusted ingredients and trusted performance for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and enter promo code SB during checkout. Got mine on right now? So 
I had no idea what we were ordering when Gertrude said, what do you want? Eucalyptus or lavender? She just sent a uh, Slack message to us both. <laughs> and I said, lavender, obviously. Eucalyptus is like stuff you suck on if you got a cold. I don't know what you got, but I got the eucalyptus deodorant. And I was like, oh, darn it. That's what this is. I didn't want that, but that's okay. My wife walks in and says, oh my gosh, how did you get that? And I said, what are you talking about? Because they're a sponsor of the show. So, you know, and she says, she's like, this is amazing stuff. I said, yeah, I wanted the lavender. She just looks at me and she goes, nah, I don't think you wanted to smell like lavender. <laughs> so apparently lavender is not the adult version or the male adult version. Not the so. one for you. Your results? No, I think I think I would smell pretty good in lavender. I think I think you would smell great in lavender. Just saying, <laughs> yeah. But I got the eucalyptus also. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. It is. It I is, like it. It is. It is very good. I absolutely love it. Big thanks also to Student Loan Hero for supporting Stacking Benjamins. You know, I was talking to Brian over at Student Loan Hero just a couple of days ago. OG, and it turns out that student loan interest rates. Have you seen this? Lowest they've been. In a long, long time. Like they spiked up the last year and now they've come back down talking to Brian. He's, he said, man, if you got to refinance those student loans, it's time to do it now. Look, don't wait. Do it now. And to know how to do it, head to studentloanhero.com. All right. Great show we got for you today. Anthony O'Neill, speaking of students, let's see if we can take fewer student loans. Anthony's a guy who is part of the Dave Ramsey family of professionals and never heard of them a little bit inspirational as you can imagine anybody in that whenever we talk to dave ramsey's people i feel like they've had some training or more caffeine than you and i put together time three but we they got like th- their stuff <laughs> that's right we they got have a smidge of passion <laughs> slightly we got to have some headlines first though so let's get the party started hello darlings and now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking benjamin's headlines bad news from the wall street journal Oh, gee. Great. They, they stopped printing it. This is, yeah, that'd be super bad news. I'd start shaking. Uh, this is written by Anna Marie Androidis and Ben Eisen. A $45,000 loan for a $27,000 ride. Ah, car loans. More yes. borrowers going underwater it. on car loans. But you don't understand, Joe. I needed a new car. It had 100,000 miles on it. Had to have it. Needed it. John Schreiker, they write, took out a loan to buy a car in 2017. Then he took out another and then another. In two years, the 40-year-old electrician signed up for four auto loans, each time trading in the previous car and rolling the unpaid balance into the next loan. He recently bought a $27,000 Jeep Cherokee with a $45,000 loan from Ally Financial. Consumers, salespeople, and lenders are treating cars a lot like houses during the last financial crisis by piling on debt to such a degree It often exceeds the car's value. This phenomenon, referred to as negative equity or being underwater, can leave car owners trapped. Some 33% of people who traded in cars to buy new ones in the first nine months of 2019 had negative equity. Oh, my God. I think we're going to stop right there. Why why is this dude getting a new car every two years or three years? What do you say? He's on his third car since 2017? Is that what I said or fourth? And he's an electrician. I mean, is he driving to the moon and back every day for work? Yeah, I don't understand why he's buying four different cars in two years. This is self-inflicted. Why is he doing that? And then the second thing, when I say electrician, by the way, if you're an electrician, 
great, but but electrician isn't a job where you're rolling up in your car. Like sometimes I get it. If you're a realtor or maybe a high-end salesperson where a car is a part of the sale, the look mm-hmm. is a part of the sale. Could be, yeah. Maybe. Maybe, but then it's a business expense. It's a whole different ROI, right? Maybe, right. But in electrician, I'm like, oh, look at that dude's car. I bet. (laughs) Do you want the guy to show up in like an Audi A5? You're like, wow, look at my electrician. He's rolling in a Mercedes. That's amazing. He must be doing well. Yeah. I wonder what I'm going to think about that bill when he repairs my toaster. Well, you should never have an electrician repair your toaster, Joe. No. You should just buy a new one. Yes. But you get my point. 33%. 33% That's amazing. Of and then you combine that with what we talked about a month and a half ago, two months ago, about the average loan, car loan now is seven years, you know, because the prices keep going up, right? But people's incomes necessarily aren't increasing as much. So now you've got these huge negative equity loans for a long, long, long period of time. Goodness gracious. Maybe you should buy a used car. Call me crazy. Speaking of crazy though, what's what's crazier? Is it this dude buying four new cars in two years, or is it the fact that Ally Financial is giving him money? Like like these, these I might give him money. Sounds like he's okay with paying lots of interest. So But you have maybe, well, you have no collateral. Yeah. They're underwater. You can ruin that ruin if you're Ally, you ruin that dude's day in a hurry if he misses a payment or something. People pay their cars. That's the thing. Because you have to sort of have a way to get to work to pay the rest of the stuff. And despite the fact that there's millions of other ways to get to work, in some cases, public transportation or friends or family or pedal power or whatever, you know, we have this wrapped up feeling that, oh, I got to keep my car. I met a guy, I was working my third job a couple of weeks ago. He had a scooter, like a little moped thing. And I just kind of looked at it. Vespa kind of deal. Yeah, maybe like a little souped up, but not much, right? Not a not twenty five thousand dollar Vespa, more like seven thousand dollar spree, if you right. remember from when you were a kid. Six thousand. You know, not a scooter as in like an electric scooter like you have in Austin or something like that, but like the one you'd sit down on maybe goes thirty five miles an hour or something like that. And he's a police officer, and so I was talking with him for a second, and I just kinda looked and I just kinda looked at him and looked at that, and he just said he just kinda looked at me back and went, sixty two miles to the gallon. Bam. And I'm like all right, right on. He's like, plus, nobody ever says anything about a cop riding a moped. <laughs> I went, okay. Not to your face, probably. But this dude was like totally embracing it. Like, I, you know, I, I work in the community. I live in the community. <laughs> my entire world revolves around this community. You know, I'm a police officer. I just have to get from here to my job. Why would I want to have an automobile that's going to cost me, you know, all this kind of money? I just got this thing that's, you know, I fill up with gas once every month. See, I had six gallons. I had the opposite. Yeah, I had the opposite impression. I was like, what a badass. He's like a gunslinger. He's like riding horse. It's like the 2019 version of riding horseback shooting bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) He's like wider. (laughs) Paul Blart, the city cop. (laughs) No, that was a segue. Right. That was a segue. But still. But he's inside a mall. When you're outside, you got to have the Vespa. You got to have the scooter. Yeah. You want I don't more? know that the electrician would come up with a ride up on a scooter, though. Let me give you more. Mr. Schricker, the dude who has had four cars in the, the two four years, banger. Yep. Would like to get a new car. Obviously, because this one has been dirtied. Because the Jeep Cherokee started having mechanical problems this year. You always hear that from people with, from oh people my with goodness. The cars. It's crazy. The cars nickel and diamond me. 
how many nickels and dimes does it take to equal the amount of yeah. interest you're going to pay? $6,000 a year. And then, you know, we had a um, SUV. It was paid off, but it seemed like every six months we were having a $2,500 repair bill. There was always, it was just, you know, the thermostats out, the blinker fluid ran low, the, you know, whatever. And every time we took it in, it was 2,500 bucks. And, and I remember thinking, this is insane, but it's still cheaper than buying a freaking brand new one. Right. You know, if our operating costs on the automobile are 5,000 bucks a year for maintenance and upkeep, that's still cheaper than going out and buy a brand new one of these things, which is going to be like seven or $800 a month. And may still have auto repair issues. You know, a lot of that's covered under warranty, of course, at that point. But it wasn't until we expanded our family and needed just a Scotiabank space that we traded to the minivan. But uh, I remember thinking about that, like, oh, this thing's nickel and dime in me. And it's like, well, it's not really, though. I'll take all the nickels and dimes, like you said. He recently discovered, Mr. Schricker, that the vehicle was in an accident before he bought it. A fact he said the dealership didn't disclose the dealership. Oh, so he did buy it used. Good. Rotolo Motors didn't return requests for comments. But but here's the frustrating thing. He doesn't have to rely on the dealer for that. If you get the Carfax ahead of time, if you spend a little money, you get the Carfax, you take it to a mechanic. All you have to do is go to a site like, I'm just going to throw out a name because this is a site that I've used, Edmunds. You go there, you look at buying a used car and you use their guide like a checklist Dude, yeah. take it to the mechanic get the car facts take the test drive look at the kelly blue book value versus the value that you're paying if you're going to go through a dealer use one of these third-party sites like true car where you can very quickly get three or four different dealers involved to compete against each other and they'll lower the price on each other like a bunch of vultures so you don't have to like there's a bunch of tricks that you can do the second that i read that Hey, the dealership didn't disclose it. And now, by the way, Mr. Schricker's hired a lawyer. You wouldn't have had to hire a lawyer if you'd done a little homework. And you would have to buy four cars and be completely underwater. I don't know. I can't. I don't know the whole story about Mr. Schricker here. I, I just feel like there's a lot of uh, preventative maintenance on his financial plan he could have done to not have all this. That's a good tie-in. I like that use of language. Our second headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance, written by Gary Schilling. Actually, I take that back. That I found it on Yahoo Finance, but it's uh, from Bloomberg originally. Like the comedian? Isn't he dead? It, it, it is the same name. He's back. <laughs> this is like is Elvis. A, is, did he pass away? I thought he died. It's like when somebody saw Elvis working at Burger King. You got Gary, <laughs> Gary Shandling out there. Oh, this is Gary oh, Shandling. Sh- this is Gary Schilling. Uh, Schilling. Yes. Okay. Gary Shandling out. Brother of Kurt Schilling, the pitcher. Probably. Yes. Writing for Bloomberg instead of being passed away. Millennials spend a lot of time bemoaning their inability to buy a home, forcing them to keep renting. They should want to stay renters, this opinion piece says, if they know it's good for them financially. It's generally believed that appreciation in home values is what created middle-class wealth in earlier decades. But that was only because... Monthly loan payments forced homeowners to save and eventually retire their mortgage debt. Most of the rise in single-family home prices over time is due to larger new structures with more marble bathrooms, fancier kitchens, etc. 
The Quality Adjusted House Price Index, developed by Professor Robert Schiller of Yale University, removes this upward price bias by comparing the prices of the same house when it's sold repeatedly over time. It shows the average quality-adjusted single-family house prices corrected for overall inflation have risen, ready, a paltry 1.1% mm-hmm. at a compound annual rate since 1972. Real estate. But I thought real estate was the golden ticket. All I had to do was buy all this real estate and I would unlock. Everybody goes, whoa, 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 Joe. Financial advice or financial freedom. You and OG have been talking about the fact that real estate and stocks are the two things historically over time that have kicked inflation's butt. The answer is yes, but it's not the ground, people. It's not the house that you live in and it's not the ground. It's when you take that and you rent it out. There's a common theme that I see, and maybe you observed it as well when you were practicing, but it seems like people who are able to keep their housing expenses relatively modest as their life progresses, as they, you know, get promoted, as they change careers, as, you know, their family grows, if they can keep that housing cost number static as close to that initial number as possible, those are the people that are more financially successful because realtors, bankers, all of these people are against you when you go into the home buying purchase. All of them are paid based on how big of a home you buy. The mortgage guy gets more money based on the loan you, you get. The realtor gets more money based on the house that you buy. What we fail to remember is that despite the fact that, yeah, our rent might be $2,000 a month and it's like, well, I can go get a condo for $1,800 a month. Why would I not do that and build equity? It's like that house, that $1,800 house payment also includes or has to include taxes and insurance, which are two things that are going to go up faster than inflation, generally speaking. Most states have rules around rising tax bases of their properties faster than a certain amount. In Texas, it's 10%. They're, they're like, hey, we understand, you know, we got to put a cap on this. Don't worry. We'll cap it at 10% for you. <laughs> you are welcome, people. They, yes. Yeah, you're welcome. And not only is it capped at 10%, it's cumulative. So if this year they say, well, your house really went up by 15%, OG, but we can only tax you on the 10 and next year goes up by five. Guess what? It goes up by 10 again next year because it was five. They don't lop off that original five. They just bank it for future years. So even if you think like, well, eventually the house price goes down, you know, if there's a recession or something, they might, no, no, there's just like this 10 year backup of of banking of extra. They're like, I know your house is worth 20% less, but your tax bill is going up 10% because four years ago we didn't take it all. So you've got taxes that rise, insurance that rises, especially, God forbid, you have a claim or two, and you have maintenance and upkeep on your home. It's average. I think you should plan on somewhere in the neighborhood of one to one and a half percent a year of your home value in annual maintenance, buying things like window cock. It's an old joke from before. Come on, that's really good. You pulled Len like that one. You pulled way, way long ago for that one, man. <laughs> that was that was a long time ago. But you know, uh, flowers and grass uh, maintenance, and you know, like just stuff that you have to do around your house to keep it good. And that doesn't even include the stuff that goes wrong in your home. Like I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago that had foundation issues. You know, just suddenly. You know, and boom, here's a $50,000 expense. So the housing price or your house cost is not just simply a comparison between your rent payment and your house payment. But even so, let's say you get all that 
narrow down and you go, I did it. I, I'm in this home. And then you get a promotion and you go, well, I can get into a better school district or I have three kids. So instead of having four bedrooms, I must have five. And you repeat that cycle. You're never getting ahead. I don't know that there's a right answer on this. I know that there's a lot of differing opinions about like, should I have real estate? Should I buy? Should I rent? You know, and it's definitely unique to everybody individually. I would say that the biggest thing you can do is just go slowly as you're thinking about a real estate decision. Well, that's what I was going to say. Renting's not the answer either because of the fact that when you look at the cost of renting over long periods of time, if they're not making it in the land, you have to ask yourself, why does the NARI index keep up with the stock market? And the reason is they're taking it out of the renter. So not necessarily a panacea. So I agree with you. The real solution is control your housing cost. Yeah. Do you need to have a $700,000 house or can you be okay with a $500,000 one? Do you need a five? Could you be okay with three or whatever, you know, wherever you are in life? On that Um, note, on that note, have you seen that while some of these uh, bigger houses out in the suburbs aren't appreciating as quickly as they used to because of the fact that millennials don't want them? You see what somebody posted in our basement Facebook group the other day about how there are people in retirement who are actually moving into bigger houses than they had their entire career. Like the kids yeah. are gone, whatever. They're they're buying up these spacious homes and and living in a much bigger house later, which which to my mind is good for them, right? I mean, great. If that's if that's your goal in retirement is to have more room, relax a little, everybody has their own floor. <laughs> We were, uh, my wife and I were talking about that. We were driving out of our subdivision and one of our friends had a sign in their front yard and she went, Oh my gosh, are they? And it was just a painting sign. She goes, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that they were going to move. And the kids were in the car and we started talking about it. And my wife said, well, that would make sense. You know, their oldest is now done with college and you know, they might not need this big home. And and the kids are like, wait a second, you're going to move when we all go to college. My wife's like, uh, yeah, we don't need all this. What are we going to do? My son's like, well, don't you want to have space for us to come visit? And she's like, yeah, a room. You don't need an entire floor like you have right now. (laughs) You don't need, you both don't need bedrooms. You don't need a space for your Xbox. We won't have that stuff when you're gone. The OG kid's already coping at age 10. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a second. We're not going to have an Xbox? I remember I, I remember when, when I came home and, and my mom had completely turned my bedroom into like her new sewing room. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? What the, well, what happened? She's like, you don't live here. Exactly. Whoa, wait a minute. Yep. Before we have our big takeaways from these pieces, in just a few minutes, we're going to have Anthony O'Neill, who's upstairs talking to mom right now, OG talking about having a debt-free college experience. Well, if your college experience wasn't debt-free or you're fairly certain that no matter what Anthony says, it's not going to be debt-free, a phenomenal resource for you is Student Loan Hero. And what we like about Student Loan Hero is this, is that even though interest rates are back at lows when it comes to refinancing your debt, it's not always the right thing to do. So you want to make sure what loans you have and that they don't qualify for some special treatment. Where do you learn all that? At Student Loan Hero. Part of the Lending Tree family now, along with Magnify Money, Student Loan Hero, features a ton of resources that now are right at your fingertips. So if you're somebody who's wondering either A, how do I get through college? Listen to Anthony O'Neill and head to Student Loan Hero. Or B, I went through college. How do I fix this stuff and make my college experience more affordable, head to studentloanhero.com. 
I think our lessons here, OG, are a couple. Number one, control your housing cost, I think is probably the big one. Uh, number two, though, four, four car loans in four years, maybe learning how to buy a car ahead of time and having a strategy ahead of time might be a better way to do this. Don't be part of the 33% of people with car loans that are underwater. Don't be a 33%er. Anthony O'Neill. I'm so happy we get to finally meet this guy. I've heard all about him. He's upstairs, OG. Anthony is a gentleman like a lot of people, has a phenomenal story. And by age 19, he was deep in debt, made a lot of uh, wrong decisions when it comes to college. And he is a great voice for making sure that you don't get into debt for your college experience. Don't overpay for your college experience. Anthony's got a fantastic podcast. We'll talk about that as a new book out. We'll talk about that. But more than that, we're going to talk just having an affordable college experience. Anthony O'Neill coming down to the basement. And here he is, the college planning man himself. Anthony O'Neill joins us in the basement. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. Just came from upstairs uh, chopping up with your mom, man, having a good time and uh, just excited to be here and chop it up with you and just talk about life, college and how our young people can be successful. So thanks for having me on. Well, if you hang out with mom for too long, you're going to make us look bad. So I'm glad you finally (laughs) got away from her because you are a way better human being than we are, my friend. Oh, man, I love it. (laughs) So there's something about you that I didn't know. And that is and tell me if I got my facts wrong. You were number one in the state of North Carolina for debate in high school. I was, man, in the year 2001. Um, I was a part of the uh, debate team there, the National Forensics League. And so um, I did a little bit of everything, but uh, uh, debating uh, was my number one thing because I really couldn't do anything else because my parents was like, hey, that's the cleanest thing in school. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we don't have a problem with you debating, but, you know, I couldn't do sports like that. I really couldn't do any other extracurricular activities because they weren't really as clean. So I just used my mouth. That got me in trouble a lot, talking back to <laughs> teachers and stuff. And it uh, helped me get a, a scholarship. I think there's so many life lessons in debate. Can you think of one thing that really has served you well throughout life that you learned specifically from debate? I've learned I can talk real good, but I never really did research when I first started. Like, hey, before you talk, make sure you know for sure what you're talking about. And growing up, even now, now I have a full team around me like, hey, before I say something, let's just do a lot of research and make sure that I'm saying the right thing, not just sounding good, but I sound good and I'm actually good as far as in the, the facts are good. So in debating, I, w- I would remember like, man, I-, I can talk real well, but how come I'm not winning? But it was because I was saying the wrong stuff. I read something recently that like 86.25% of statistics you hear are made up. Is that true? Now, you know, I, that, that, you know I, I would say that's true or not true. I don't know that stat, so I'm not going to comment on it. But, um, you know, I, I just made that up on the spot. So. Yeah, you know, so a lot of people don't know what the truth is, but um, 
I make sure my facts are, are quotable from creditable places. <laughs> well, well, and you've got a lot of facts and frankly, a lot of knowledge that goes against the grain. And let's, let's dive into this. I want to talk again about your personal situation. You open up the book, you're sitting in a, seems to me to be an auditorium, bunch of kids. There's some adult standing in front of you. And I have the quote right here. They're talking about planning for college and said, if you're not already planning for college, you're late. Tell me about how you felt when you heard that. You know, that was my junior year, the second semester going into our summer uh, for our senior year, and my heart dropped. Unfortunately, I grew up in a place to where, I mean, I graduated from a great school, but unfortunately, our school just couldn't really give us a proper education to uh, really be successful when it comes to choosing college and planning for college. And so, when this counselor came in um, and said that, it literally dropped. And I remember going home and saying, Mom, Dad, we're behind. That's like, we're behind what? All our bills are paid for. What are you talking about, boy? I'm like, Mom, I'm not talking about bills. I'm talking about what am I going to do next year when I graduate high school? Am I going to college? And literally my mom sat down at the kitchen table and was like, huh. And my dad was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. When we realized that we were behind, I remember us going up to the counselor's office. They said my grades wasn't that good. He said he could possibly get a good scholarship from debating because he's real good at that. But hey, what you can do is just take him over to Fayetteville State University, take out some student loans, and you'll get accepted. You know, but there's no scholarship opportunities. They didn't even suggest going to a community college. It was like, hey, take out this, you'll be all right, and go from there. And it's funny, and correct me again if I'm wrong. You, like me, I was one of the first uh, kids in my even extended family to go to college. You were one of the first people in your family to go to college as well. Yes, I was actually the first person uh, to go to college within my family. Uh, my dad did 35 years in the Army. My stepdad did uh, several years uh, in the Marines. My mom went to college but never completed her first semester. And so um, I was the first person to go to college out of my particular family and out of my siblings. What's amazing, and you know this from your work around the country, Anthony, there's obviously lots of families that are like yours. I mean, they get to the end of junior year and everybody's huddling about what, so what do you want to do? And feeling, uh, I'm sure, just uh, incredibly overwhelmed. You got to hear that quite a bit. You know, I do hear, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Debt Free Degree, because there was no step-by-step guide on how to get into college. What should I do? I was just pretty much doing what I love to do, having being a class clown, having fun on college campus, making sure my grades were just good enough to graduate high school. But no one was pressing me and, and really educating me like, hey, listen, the decisions you're making today is going to impact you tomorrow. It's going to help you get into college. Or it's going to stop you from getting into college. It's, it's your decisions. And so there's a lot of parents out there that are struggling right now listening to um, our uh, interview today, and they're probably saying the same thing, like, wow, I didn't even think about it. But I'm excited. I'm passionate about it. I'm in high schools and colleges every day, every week, every month, just really spreading the message that, hey, here are all the ways you can get your education. Some of them are going to be from free to cheap to some of them may cost you a little bit of money and, and a lot of hard work. But the key thing here is we're going to get through it debt free. Well, uh, we had recently on a researcher who is from NYU, Caitlin Zaloom, talking about, on the other hand, there's a ton of pressure to go to college. And as you put in your book, the cost of college now 
versus like 1989, 1990, I think your numbers are somewhere between 25,000 then versus 100,000 now. Like, I mean, these numbers have just completely skyrocketed for school. Yeah, you know, since back then, the cost of colleges has gone up eight times compared to wages. And so we're seeing a startling, startling thing here. And, you know, here's my thing, Joe. You know, I believe education is important. I do not believe that we should get in debt over education. So I believe every single day we should be learning how to learn. We should be learning something new. Whether this is you are going straight into the workforce and you're learning a particular trade on the workforce, that's education. If you go to a traditional college, a four-year university, that's education. If you go off to a trade school and learn how to be a welder, that's education. Um, If you go to community college, like in the state of Tennessee, the first two years are free. That's education. What makes an individual is not college. It is, do you have work ethic? Are you a man or woman of character? And are you living with intentionality? If you have those three things and you're willing to learn every single day and grow, you will be successful. So again, I'm all for education. I'm not knocking education, sure. but I am saying there's different ways we can go about getting it. Yeah. In fact, you don't like the idea of the term dream school. When you go around the country, you've said before, I've heard you say before, you hear the <laughs> word dream school. People are dreaming about all the wrong stuff. You know, you're right, man. I was on stage just a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, y'all just built my dream house. And they were clapping. It was like, man, how big is, is it? 10,000 square feet? I was like, no, it was 2,000. Uh, you see, a dream thing for me is something affordable. What is affordable? Something debt-free. So when I hear young people say, I want to go to my dream school. My dream school is this big name Ivy League school. That's great. Can you go to it debt-free? No, I got to borrow some money. Then that's not your dream school. That's a nightmare school. Because we're seeing that on average, 20 years after young people are graduating, they still owe 50% of their student loan balance. So this means... They could be in their 50s, 60s, still paying back student loans, and they can't really invest into their retirement. They can't really go out there and enjoy life because it's so pressed back from the past. So uh, you're getting me. You're like, you get me fired. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's on purpose. Nothing better than poking Anthony O'Neill getting fired up. We, We... Uh, talking about this issue, though, you did you did college the wrong way. I did college the wrong way. It took me seven years because I didn't get into a ton of debt, but I didn't have to had I known who the heck you were back then. But let's talk about this. You amassed student loans, and it was easy because you see it all around you. Everybody around you is doing it. I felt like as I was reading you, Anthony, I was reading you talking about everybody else taking on student loans. So, heck, they can't be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I just actually released a podcast. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to my podcast called Borrowed Future. And we interviewed hundreds of people and all of them said we did it wrong, just like yeah. me. Uh, we have over a million downloads and, and I get surprised because a lot of people are saying I did it wrong. And you're right. You know, when I was back in my 18, 19 year old age bracket, um, I took out $10,000 in student loans. Uh, but to be transparent on your podcast, I didn't even need the student loans. I didn't need one dime for education. I had my father's GI Bill, and then I had that partial scholarship from the NFL, the National Forensics League. And so everything from tuition, room, and board was taken care of. I took out the $10,000 student loans because it was normal. Everyone else was getting a student loan refund check, but I wasn't, and I was missing out. So I used that to go buy a car, to go take out the ladies, to take ladies on vacations. Don't tell my mom and dad. Um, you know. <laughs> You're much less of a nerd than I was. I took out a student loan to buy a computer to play computer games. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So we all, we've all made mistakes. Yes. But, you know, that's what I really just want to help young people avoid debt 
avoid my mistakes and build wealth. Well, and you go over that very succinctly on the wrong way to do school. And obviously you've got 5 million ideas. I just want to give people a few of them. Uh, first of all, you say that you can control the cost of college. Let's talk about that. What are a couple ways to bring the cost of college down for the average person? You know, the average college cost is going to cost you anywhere between six to $11,000 for an in-state school, or it's going to be anywhere from free to up to $5,000 for a community college. So how do you control it? Choose the best affordable school. Stay in-state, don't go out of state. If you go to an in-state school, stay home, okay? Stay home and eat at home. I know it doesn't sound appealing, but it's great. But then check this out. Let's say if you go to a school and it, it runs you $10,000, that's only $833 a month. You can drive for Uber, drive for Lyft. You can mm-hmm. deliver pizza, walk some dogs, cut some hair. Uh, you can pay cash for your college experience. It's when we start looking at these big Ivy League schools and going out of state that cost goes up. So the cost of college is expensive, but it doesn't have to be if we choose the right school. Let's talk about parents. You know, a lot of parents listening to the show you know, they want their kids to go to school, parents paying for college. How do you feel about that? I don't have a problem with parents uh, contributing to the college experience. I need to make sure that parents see me clearly contribute, but make sure that your child feels a lot of weight as well. They need to be covering their books. They need to be covering their their meals. They need to be paying for their car insurance. They need to have some some sweat equity in the game because if you give them everything, they're not going to appreciate it. So if you're a good parent and you're, you have the resources to help get them there, okay, cool. Cover 90% of their tuition. Make sure that they can come up with 10 of it themselves. Nice. And with the gig economy now these days, like you were talking about Uber, Lyft and delivering stuff, there's so many opportunities out there. There are so many opportunities, you know. Heck, I mean, have your son or daughter go work for Chipotle. You pocket the money and Chipotle will go ahead and cover their tuition. So, you know, there's so many different ways to get college covered. Just make sure that our young people have some sweat equity in in their own life. And if they're at Chipotle on the right day, not only do they make money, that could be a weight loss program too, Anthony. There you go. No, weight I mean, t- loss program. Too soon? Is it too soon for that joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into scholarships because you also talk about scholarships and people don't look enough there. Where are some places people should look for money from other places? You know, the two resources, the best online resource is my website, anthonyoneal.com. I have a free scholarship tool there. And then also this month, I'm giving away $2,500 of my own money for scholarships. It's a very simple process. I'm giving away two scholarships, one $1,500 and $1,000, one $1,000 scholarship. And then um, I have 10,000 other scholarships that they can apply for uh, on my website. Outside of that, the best book in the world is called The Ultimate Scholarship Book 2019. Over 60,000 scholarships on there. It's updated every year. Those are the best two resources that I would recommend. When you were sitting there, getting back to when you and I just sat down, you're sitting there with this uh, college counselor and he says, junior year, it's too late. When should people start thinking about planning for college? As soon as your son or daughter can walk and talk. I mean, it's never too early to think about it. I'm always say, parents, make sure that you're out of debt, you have an emergency fund, and you're investing into your 401k, into your retirement. But as soon as you get done and you're at that place where you're financially stable, uh, start looking into a 529 or ESA, which is the educational savings account. If you can invest anywhere between $100 to $200 a month into that program, let's say from 15 to 18 years, you'll have anywhere between seventy dollars to $100,000 in this account that can go towards all college expenses tax-free. And let's just say one of your child doesn't use all the money or they do not go. Anybody with an immediate family can use those funds towards college 
tax-free. And so as early as you possibly can, start investing as long as you are financially stable yourself and start having the money conversation with your children as early as possible. So by the time they get into high school and it really, really counts, um, they have a mindset of like, my decisions are going to impact my tomorrow. Let me start my grades now in a freshman. Let me start doing some things now as a sophomore to prepare for the next two, three years. And by the way, for everybody listening, 90% of Anthony's book is what to do year by year. The book's called Debt-Free Degree, the step-by-step guide to getting your kid through college without student loans. Uh, obviously available everywhere, but go to your website, right? AnthonyO'Neill.com. AnthonyO'Neill.com or, or to where uh, any books are sold. And you brought it up first. I was going to bring it up here at the end and you scooped me. I was going to ask about the podcast. You know, nobody listens to our show. So if there's some secret thing going on at the podcast that you can't tell anybody, you could just drop it here. It'll be fine. Oh man, I can't tell any secrets, man. But I definitely can say that the episode that's going to drop next week is going to change lives. It really is. And we are only doing uh, eight episodes in the Bar Future podcast. And uh, we've already have over a million downloads, over 4,000 reviews. The world is talking about it. And we're already, even I say this on your podcast, the very first, it's a little secret, but we're even thinking about doing a documentary because oh. of how successful this uh, podcast is doing. And so I want to recommend any and everyone to go. And I'll put it like this. If you listen to the podcast, if you want to purchase the book, if you listen all the way to the end, there's a special treat for you to get the book at a very good, good, good price. So <laughs> check out the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for spending a few minutes with us in your busy schedule. I know you've had a hell of a tour talking about the book and talking about college. I love the work that you do. Thanks a ton for hanging out here in the basement. Thank you so much, man, for having me. I'm about to go upstairs, get my stuff, and uh, head home. Ah, hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know, I got to admit, this Mickey Mouse obsession here is ridiculous. When's the last time Joe put this much work into my birthday? That's what I want to know. Yeah, so, to restore order, uh, I- I've been digging up some dirt on this old mouse. And get this, Mickey's dude's a phony. Dude's a total phony. Before I break the news to Joe privately, buddy, and I figured since we're here three times a week together that I'd let you in on this little gem first. So here's today's question. What anthropomorphic cartoon character did Walt Disney first create that would end up serving as a prototype to Mickey Mouse's design? I'll be back with your answer right after this. No, I didn't get the word anthropomorphic off the internet. I know that word. Well, I'll tell you what, as I record this, I'm headed to a board game convention. And one thing I wish I had with me when I went there was a case of Native. Native makes safe, simple, effective products people use in the bathroom every day with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. I'm just kidding. And I'm not completely kidding. I will be around one or two people that I will be close to. And uh, there is just an incredible need for personal hygiene from that person. And I frankly feel really bad because maybe, maybe this person has an allergy to some of the scented formulas, but Native offers an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. It's aluminum-free, safe, and effective. There's over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it seems like everybody's been talking about Native lately, not just us. And the reason is, is that it can hang with you, your workout, busy mom life, podcaster life, board gamer life, 16-hour day life. 
Native has fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know everything that's in the deodorant. It's also safe and effective. It comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year, which makes it really fun. Uh, the classic ones are coconut and vanilla. That's their most popular. Lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. Eucalyptus is uh, the latest one that I have. Native offers free returns and exchanges in the USA. And if you subscribe, you save 17%. So you can also save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered your door every one, two, three, or four months. Native has been super effective for me while I have a desk job where I mostly talk. I will say this, I'm a sweater. I am definitely a sweater. And I'm glad that Native has kept me smelling fresh throughout the day. Incredibly effective. But if you're not using a deodorant with clean ingredients, maybe it's time to look that up because I think that's why they've been featured on places like the Today Show, Women's Health, L, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and Stacking Benjamins. Get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and our promo code SB during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase by heading to nativedeodorant.com and our promo code SB at checkout. Welcome back, fellow detectives. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my Disney obsession busting trivia. Before the break, asked you this question. What other anthropomorphic character? See, I said it again. What other anthropomorphic character did Walt Disney create that would end up serving as a prototype to Mickey Mouse's design? The answer? Well, if you said Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, because I mean, who didn't know that, right? Uh, you were right if you said Oswald, because that was the precursor. Disney created Oswald back in 1927 for Universal Pictures, but he was uh, yanked from the series in 1938. It wasn't until 2006 when Disney said, all right, Oswald, we'll take you off the island. We'll bring you back into the family. And uh, now you can find him in everything from video games to theme parks, and especially uh, in the 2015 movie Walt Before Mickey. We all watch that, right? So uh, excuse me while I go break the news to Joe. It's going to crush him, and I'm going to love it. Somebody give me like a case of Kleenex. What most people don't know about that story is that Oswald actually was taken out from underneath him. Disney inadvertently sold the rights away and had to come up with, with someone else. Could you imagine if we were stuck with Oswald? Sometimes it's better to let something go away because it forces you to come up with something that... Might end up being a better idea. Are you foreshadowing something? I have, can I talk to you after the show? <laughs> By the way, bring your stuff into my office. You know, my, yeah. Here, you're going to need this box. I've got this handy milk crate. You just bring this yeah. with you. That'd be, that'd be great. Big thanks to Anthony. A lot of people out there, OG, making college decisions for all the wrong reasons. I know even friends of friends of my kids, same thing as when you and I went to school, the name of the university. Oh, I got to go there. I don't know why. I just know that that's a cool school. They have great football helmets, whatever it might be. Number two, girlfriend or boyfriend going there. Like all these, that's wrong, what I did. All, these wrong, all these wrong reasons to go into debt for college. I went into debt for love, but that paid interest. Sure did. The other way. Yes. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. 
Student loans for love. Let's <laughs> say cool looking football helmets. <laughs> right. And student loans for yeah. love. And student loans. Yeah. <laughs> it's your yeah. loved ones in your time, but uh, that's a good number three and four. It's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. It's a simple application. It's online. You get instant coverage decision. Price is affordable. And of course, it's all backed by the more than 100-year-old Mass Mutual. Today, we're throwing out the lifeline to Kathy. Say hi, Kathy. Hi there. My name's Kathy, and I'm only calling so that I can get some of your swag. I have an account with Capital One, and it has a significant amount of money in it, six figures. By doing some quick math, I recently discovered that instead of earning 2%, it was only earning 1%. When I opened the account years ago, it was actually earning 3%. After I found this error, I went to the site and I discovered that there are actually two savings accounts with Capital One 360. There's a Capital or a um, 360 savings account with a rate of 1% and a 360 performance savings account with a rate of 1.9%. Without getting a law degree, how do I figure out the differences between these two accounts? Thanks. I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. Thanks for the question, Kathy. And of course, mom's going to send you some swag. Of course. Everybody who calls in, everybody, you get some swag and you get some swag. But first, we're going to answer this question because a tale of two savings accounts, OG. Yeah, I think this is a lesson in paying attention to your money and recognizing that stuff changes from time to time. I just got an email from Ally where we have our checking and savings account that they're reducing the rates. Actually, I was impressed by the email because it didn't just leave you with interest rates are lower Ergo, so is your savings account. It was it was like, here's how you can make more money. Save more. Set up automatic transfers. You know, whatever. It was actually kind of a well-worded uh, email. But I don't see anything online about a regular 360 savings account. You and I were talking about this a second ago. The only thing I can think of is maybe it might be a checking account. And that's around 1%. And the savings account's around 2 The difference would be, you know, the liquidity of that, of course between those two things. You had an idea also. Well, I think it might be the regular savings gun also. I couldn't find either. And when I went looking for it, I thought maybe this is the same story I had a number of years ago when I called about my DSL and it turned out that I had been paying $20 more a month for two years than I needed to pay. And I could, by the way, pay $20 less and double my speed. I called because it was slow. And literally the person on the other end said, you still have that. <laughs> yeah. We, we got rid yeah, of that. So it might be a legacy product of some kind. Yeah. The cool news was, was that they rebated me. Now capital one's not going to go, Oh, you didn't switch. We're going to give you some more money. In this case, uh, my DSL company did for part of it for the last year, they were able to do it just because of the billing cycle. So that was cool. However, However, I would just make the switch to that uh, performance savings now. And um, this is why I like semi-annual check-ins. Looking at your entire net worth statement balance sheet, just top to bottom, and doing a quick overview of where am I at with everything. Check all those boxes. Yeah. Don't worry about it for another six months. Well, it gives you an idea. You can kind of get an idea also. You know, if the interest is paid monthly, let's say you have $100,000 in your cash reserve, you are assuming that your interest rate's at 2%. That's 
$2,000 a year. So you should know like, Hey, I should be getting 150 to $170 a month of interest. And it doesn't take much to kind of glance at that on a monthly basis and go, why, why am I getting 80 bucks of interest? <laughs> like I was thinking the number should be closer to 150. And then you kind of, you kind of figure it out. Or, or like you said, at the worst case, you kind of go six months into it without making a change. But savings accounts, investment accounts, these are not set it and forget it type things. These are things that have to be paid attention to. And no company has a monopoly on best rates and that sort of thing. Now, I wouldn't, by the same token, I wouldn't spend the next six months alternating between, you know, well, uh, Marcus is at 1.95 and Capital One's at 1.9, so I can get my extra point. Oh, now uh, uh, American Express Bank is at uh, 1.97, so I can get another 0.02. I wouldn't do that. But as long as you're in the ballpark, that's fine. Off by half, you know, that's another issue. One thing I also just found is because this is a high yield savings account, because of federal laws, you can only take so many withdrawals. So I'm also guessing that maybe, maybe Capital One has an account that they don't publicize, which is the one that you have, that is just a regular savings where you can take money out of it whenever you want. But this Well, one, most savings accounts have that six time rule. Six withdrawals or deposits. Yeah, so you're right. So maybe it is just a checking account. The other one. Yeah, it could be. It could be a checking, checking account. account that's that one. By the way, checking account that pays one percent interest. Pretty, pretty good. Not terrible. No. Yeah. But it's not a savings account that pays two. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Thanks for the question, Kathy. Got a question for us? Super easy. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Hit the record button and bam on whatever device you call us from. You are leaving a message for OG and I. That's going to do it for today. Thanks to everybody who's left us a review of, of the show. Thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. If you know somebody who maybe needs a good lesson about how to go to school without taking out a bunch of loans, pass this episode forward to those people. We're into uh, graduation season for some people who are on the four and a half or five and a half or six and a half seven year, and half. seven and a half year program <laughs> coming up here now. Also, if you're looking for good financial planning help in your corner, you get on the wait list for 2020, be one of the first people when OG opens up the doors again uh, with he and his team. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail to jump on that wait list and be closer to the front of the line. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. I got this one first. Take some advice from Anthony O'Neill. Looking at colleges you can't afford? That's not a great way to start your life. Focus on firm footing and you'll launch into a wonderful world of no debt and lots of opportunities. Second, buying your third car in two years? Do some homework first. A Carfax, a good trip to a mechanic, and a comparison website should be mandatory for everyone before laying down hard-earned money on a new ride. But the big takeaway, don't ever, 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 ever rain on Joe's Mickey Mouse Parade or you could be investing in a one-way ticket to being kicked off the secret Disney World trip he's planning. Is it too late to apologize? Come on, man. Sorry. Uh, Really, really sorry. Please. Something. Special thanks to Anthony O'Neill. You can find more Anthony at his website, anthonyoneal.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. 
Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And a big special thanks to Mickey Mouse for being the inspiration of a generation. You brought smiles to millions of homes, and we love you for it, little guy. Also, you suck, Oswald. We good now, Joe? We good? All right. I've seen a ton of movies lately. I want to talk about this one, OG, if you don't mind, that Cheryl and I saw a couple weeks ago before it leaves the theaters. This is a film about a young boy growing up in Nazi Germany near the end of, uh, of Nazi Germany. This is called Jojo Rabbit. Here's Marshall Jojo. You're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ah! ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ? Of course you can. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> <laughs> That's the voice of Stephen Marchant as a member of the Gestapo. I wish more boys had your blind fanaticism. And earlier on, <laughs> when a friend was talking to him, that's actually the director himself who plays the part of Jojo's imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler. And Hitler in this movie, it's hard to imagine Hitler as somebody who makes you laugh. But in this case, his Hitler is so bizarre. And so talking to him about what it takes to be a good Nazi, that little Jojo is enthralled. And then, of course, as the movie goes on, his relationship with his imaginary friend changes as events in the movie happen. Tons of stars here. Scarlett Johansson plays Jojo's mom. Uh, Sam Rockwell, one of my favorite actors, plays uh, the camp counselor when he goes to his young uh, Nazi camp teaching kids to be good defenders of uh, Nazi Germany at the time. And of course, Stephen Marchant, uh, that last voice was one of my favorite. Rebel Wilson also plays a nurse who's just 
hilarious in the movie. It is very difficult to believe that a movie about a young boy in Nazi Germany is funny. This movie's funny. It's horrifying. It's harrowing. And, um, and I loved it. I, I just loved how I didn't know where the hell it was going. OG. I love a movie that follows the script enough that I stay with it, but doesn't follow the script so much where I go, yeah, I kind of know where this is headed. Jojo rabbit. Fantastic. Kind of sort of okay. It could Thumbs be up. could be on your list because stuff blows up. Lots of stuff okay. blows up. All right. All right. Yes. Jojo Rabbit. Incredibly weird movie. Won't be my favorite movie of the year, but certainly gonna be in my top five. Top five. Well, we gotta see what's what's still coming out. But I've seen a few movies since Jojo Rabbit that maybe we'll get to at some point. I saw a Maleficent two yesterday. I saw a movie called Give Me Liberty uh, that we haven't talked about. Uh, we didn't even need to talk about that. That movie sucked. <laughs> just just Give Me Liberty was a film that that uh, took on too much, uh, went a little too far. Uh, just w- one of these deals. I hope it's a new director because there were a lot of good ideas, but nothing, nothing good happened in there. I would guess you haven't seen any movies lately. No, I haven't had time. We've got tickets to the new Star Wars. So my brother takes care of that for us. Mm. He's he's a big Star Wars fan, so he rented. He actually bought three rows full, and he's going to try to resell them. We know where this goes. He's done this before, and it he doesn't did. work out well. He did actually, but um, <laughs> but he's real particular about like where he sits. He's like, I get D seven. I don't care where anybody else sits. I'm sitting in D seven. Like, okay, it's all right. I'll sit in D eight. No, I want D eight open. I don't want anybody next to me. Really. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't care. He got a number of rows, kind of sort of by mistake, but also kind of sort of on purpose. So I'm looking at it from an angle. I can't look at it from an angle. I can't. The, the, the surround sound is broken. It doesn't 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 work the same. It's gonna be my horrible. left ear is stronger than my right, so I need to tilt a little bit this way. I've seen a few others, but I also went to a concert. Maybe we'll talk about some of this stuff on Wednesday. Did you sign up for the uh, Disney Plus? service the day it came out i did not i was going to explore Are you anti-disney stock aren't you a shareholder (laughs) that's right (laughs) my and and i am a disney shareholder shocker before we talk about this but the um no i did not and it has less to do i I think disney plus is gonna be fine without me i have heard that new star wars story the mandarin or whatever it's called the mandalorian the the mandarin orange uh mandarin orange exactly (laughs) It's a slight mm. twist on Boba Fett, but yes. <laughs> People that have dug into it the first few days have said it's fantastic. Uh, here's the deal. My kids like got home from school and turned it on. They're like, yeah, we're watching it. I have Netflix and there's a ton of stuff on there that I can't get through that I really want to see. I have Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, Jack Ryan's out. That's what I'll probably watch next. Well, that's what I want to watch Ryan's next. Too. And I'm finishing something called Carnival Row, which maybe we'll do a review on <laughs> on soon. Uh, so I've got that. I'm finishing Schitt's Creek. I'm finishing Carnival Row. I want to do Jack Ryan. I'm doing Chef's Table because I'm a season behind there and I love that stuff. And then I have Hulu because I like all the late night shows, but I don't like watching them at night. And I also like sports and I don't want cable. So for me, the Hulu experience, I really like and Mm -hmm. replacing cable. There's a ton of stuff on there. So for me, Disney plus is less about whether I like Disney or not, than I can't consume anymore. I just, I just can't do, I can't do anymore. 
So if I'm not well, going to watch we, we it. We have younger kids. So for us, it's sure. almost like a set it and forget it app. Like you can almost do anything you want on the Disney app. Yes. You have, right. You can watch anything you want and yeah. you're good. You don't have to worry about it. But now, uh, I saw some deals where I might be able to get it free with Verizon, but my understanding, and I haven't looked into it yet, just A, because I don't need it, and B, I don't have time to look for other stuff that I'm not going to consume. But I have seen that there's a possibility I might be able to get it for free. But I'm guessing that the answer there is no, it's got to be for new. I've seen some people say that it's just for new people. So that is my highly uneducated okay. look into the world of Disney+. Plus. Very interesting. But everybody, last week when it came out, Talked about how good it was, about high praise. I like it. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like you make your plan first, and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there, and Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.